If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everyone. It's episode 335 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the Eric Bai of Irish MMA Media, Graham McDonald, as we talk about a, a big, big day in the history of, uh, of mixed martial arts. Maybe not the history of mixed martial arts, but the year of mixed martial arts, anyway, with the uh, the big UFC pay-per-view, uh, which just occurred uh, moments before recording, and we're going to get into all of that. But before we do, we must tell you to brace yourselves, winter is coming. That's what the writers uh, of, uh, of Game of Thrones said, what they also I didn't tell you was that Brad's had he, he it wasn't Jamie Lannister it was a terrible uh, shaving accident that that put him where he ended up and the poor guy thought he was okay to trim his balls with a traditional razor uh hair trimmer not sure what you want to get uh for your gifts for Christmas well Manscaped it's the ultimate gift I'm here to change a man's grooming game you can get 20% game even you can get 20% off with free shipping with the code severe MMA at manscaped.com I'm just starting to buy all my Christmas presents now. I know, like uh, a lot of people, started November now, so it is definitely the the, uh, the time to do that. It's time to gear up and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season. I'm talking about Manscaped, the perfect package for Bindow. It's the best in the business. The hygiene bundles inclu- includes the lawnmower 4.0, the weed whacker, boxers, travel kit, and liquid formations. That 4.0 is absolutely fantastic. It's waterproof, advanced skin safe technology to reduce nicks and cuts. Even uh, It even has a light to help you uh, for the, uh, the old claw shave. Uh, no need to have a red wedding situation. Next time you're going for the trim, uh, the weed whacker ear uh, and nose hair trimmer can help you whack those nasty weeds and those delicate holes. Uh, this product has a proprietary skin safe technology to help prevent nicks, snags, and tugs as well. Um, also included are the prop preserver, prop, crop, prop, crop preserver. Uh, to deodorant and the crop reviver which is a ball toner to keep you fresh at all times maybe you're on the other side of the wall and you don't know what uh when your next shower is no bother the crop mop actually the ball wipes which i only got a few of there recently those are fucking brilliant also smelly feet i know someone who uses this i won't give them away now but i honestly i want it i want i feel i'd feel bad but uh i uh i know someone who uses this foot duster foot deodorant and they swear by it so i actually haven't used it yet should be out some there the cologne i actually get patrick a bottle of this cologne as well the other day he loves it as well so it's absolutely brilliant lovely fresh scent on top of everything they've even thrown in a shed travel bag to keep your goods uh from manscaped uh all together and you with the you know the anti-chafing uh, boxer breaster in there as well i know the lads over and the, the group absolutely love them. This feels like a terrible read, but anyway, you know what they have. Manscaped are absolutely brilliant. Get twenty percent off a free shipping with the code Severe MMA at Manscaped.com during 
the winter you may be spending more time inside with your balls. Might as well make them beautiful. Promo code Severe May, 20% off free shipping. And also, while we're at it here, this episode is also brought to you by BetUS. We said we'd front load them this time and we'll get right into the MMA so we'll have no distractions so we'll go right up the front. So if you are in the US and Canada, we have our, our betting partner, BetUS, has supported us for the last few months and we've really enjoyed this partnership with BetUS. So if you are in the US or Canada, uh, th- these are, are a really good, really good crowd. So if, uh, sports betting is in full force this season. Obviously, you know, we're in the middle of two uh, UFC pay-per-views with a big one coming up next week, and I'll have betting shows galore this fucking week. I'll have another two betting shows this week. One on Severe and, and one on, uh, on uh, where is it? Sure dogs there, yeah. I want to, I want to fucking know what the place, though. They also have uh, NFL, NHL, NBA playoffs. All of that Premier League, I know, stay away from Man United betting, but you know that you already may notice, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sportsbook industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. Uh, if you are in the US or Canada, go to severemay.com forward slash BetUS and you will receive 125% sign up bonus. Um, Use that code Severe MMA as well there, and there is a link in the description, both for Manscaped and for BetUS, and they should take you right there. Uh, BetUS have re-up and referral bonuses also. Uh, you can go to BetUS.com. You can call 800-69-BETUS. That's 800-MY-BETUS. BetUS is known as America's favorite sports book for a lot of reasons. Uh, as I mentioned, NBA, NHL, NFL, props, Bellator, UFC, casino, horse races, all of that. Um, they have every type of bet manageable and a sharp bet, uh, and a sharp, really, really sharp US uh, mobile platform, which is easy with full betting options. So follow my lead and get your phone. Go online. Uh, uh, the social betting partner with integrity and longevity, and do like I did. Bet with Bet US. You bet, you win, you get paid. Promo code Severe and May, 125% sign up bonus. BetUS.com or SevereMay.com forward slash BetUS. Right, Graham, let's get straight into UFC 267. Uh, we're at literally just seconds out from the from the card happening. And uh, oh, it was, I, I I don't know, it was it was one of those special moments I feel like they did. Well, it's hard to think of like the card as a whole. Usually we start off our kind of our reviews of these cards with a kind of an overview of the card itself. But Glover Teixeira winning that belt. I don't think there's anywhere else we could start. It w- it was just special, really, wasn't it? Did, did I, I saw a lot of people online uh, were feeling exactly the way as I was. It was just brilliant. How did you feel when he when he won it? Yeah, it was a brilliant moment. You know, he's been around such a long time, and even you know most of the guys covering the sport, me and you, we, we've seen basically not even his whole career, not even half of his career, because he was out and he was out fighting in other promotions, couldn't get a visa to the US. He was like Chuck Liddell's training partner, and. You know, we, we were hearing about him even back then. And, it, you know, it just shows it, it just shows what, what you can do if you keep at it. You keep working hard. You keep improving. And, you know, we've been talking about Glover for years, how well-rounded he is and how good he is. But uh, it did seem like when he lost uh, his first title shot, uh, you know, his first UFC title shot, that he that he wouldn't get back to the top. And, you know, he, he even, even coming into this fight, uh, he was doubted and, you know, uh, on the podcast last week, I said, "Oh, I, I think I have a sneaky feeling Glover's going to do it." But when it came down to making the pick, I went with I went with Jan. So, you know, it was definitely a, an upset, and it was a 
there's a special moment and you know when when you've been when you've been following a guy's career for a long time and he finally kind of gets to the apex of, of the sport when it looked unlikely at the age of 42 it, it really is a you know a wholesome moment it it really was and like it's funny he's 42 and it's it's uh, 2021 so it's kind of ha- you know halfway it was the, the, at the turn of the year he was 21 and like, i think it's a long time if anyone is you know we probably have people listening to this who are younger than that it's a, it's a long time since then and he was a 21 year old then you know he made his debut in 2002 at a 23 year old and as a 43 year old he wins it like i was kind of shocked I look like I looked through his his record, obviously preparing for the podcast and doing the betting show and different things. And you know, you look at the John Jones last, but when they said afterwards, it was two thousand and fourteen, like two thousand and fourteen. My, you know, it's oh, that was only oh, was a couple of years ago. It was seven years ago. Seven and a half years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seven, literally seven and a half years ago. It's crazy. Like that's some people's careers are seven and a half years. If you have a good career, the UFC. It's cr- and like the yeah. fact he lost. Like, you know, like I mentioned Chuck Liddell earlier, like his training partner back in the day. Like and look where he's <laughs> he's long he's long out of the sport. He, he's like an old man now, and Glover's yeah. at the at the apex of the sport. It's it's amazing, really. Yeah, it's, it's insane. Like the thing is, like he lost to Phil Davis just after that as well. He went on another good run, beat OSP Cummins and Rashad, and then lost to Anthony Johnson. Then lost to uh, uh, Gustafson, and you know, for those three fights there, lost to Johnson, beat uh, Kenneer, lost to Gustafson, beat Sarkinov, lost to Corey Anderson. Like that was four years after he lost to John Jones, right? So you're becoming like a fifty-fifty fighter, probably thinking, you know, maybe one or two more here, I could be gone from the UFC at the age of thirty-eight years of age. At that position, even though we always talked about him as a good fighter and everything like that, I don't think at that time anyone would say it would have been getting better for Glover Teixeira and the fact he would have to beat Robertson beat Kudjilaba beat Krilov beat Smith beat Santos and now beats Blahovic. what a run I think that, you know no no offence to Corey Anderson or, or anything but I think that was the kind of moment where you thought oh maybe it's not gonna yeah. it's not gonna work out like but you know he put together a, a win streak you know uh, Carl Robertson Kundilaba Krylov they're not the you know they're not the most impressive uh, names on there's a split decision in there over Krylov but you know he just he just kept at it he just has that hard hard nose hard grit uh, experience just wants it a lot as well like and you know even in the fight he's using all these veteran moves he's he's got the I think somebody mentioned on Twitter he's got like the stubble on his on his shaved head he's rubbing it in Jan's face when he's on top he's got the can opener going he's covering his mouth he's just using every everything he's learned over this long hard career and all these long hard fights to get the job done you know he's a real wily veteran and it's great to see him it really is great to see him on top it really is and let's, let's talk about that because you may, I think you make a great point there because the one thing I was kind of thinking as you were talking there was remember when, when he fought John Jones I remember John Jones was like pulling his shoulder out of place and trying to fucking break his shoulder in the clinch being yeah. being the nastier fighter and that's what Glover was tonight. He was the nastier fighter. And not not in a bad way or anything like that. In in a very good way, in fact. But within the saying, rules, yeah, yeah. Yeah, within the rules. He that like I love a can opener. I I absolutely love it. Like that is a thing that is really underused in MMA and it's just hard. Like at the end, you you text me straight after it. Do you want to say the words you used the, about the, right after the fight? Yeah, he he broke him. Yeah, he just broke him. He really did. And like, I think it was a combination of things. It was the can opener. It was the fucking stubble in the face. It was the big left hook. It was kind of at one stage when he got his back, he he kind of 
pushed his head into the ground kind of at one stage. It was like, he's just making it tough for him and all the time. That that elbow, do you know what they were talking about in the commentary about uh, sometimes the uh, the kind of the sawing elbows are be- better than the crunching ones maybe, which is, is absolutely true. But I think for the fight that Glover Teixeira decided to fight, I think that was the better option for him. Because like, Blahovic is that sort of fighter as well. You know, and I said last week, I got it 100% wrong. I thought Blahovic was like a little better than him in every area. Tonight, it showed the other way around. Glover was better than him in every single area. Like, even, uh, and we'll get back to the first round in a second, but even at the start of the second round, I thought um, Jan was landing some good stuff. He stopped a couple of takedowns. But that striking battle in the end was absolutely won by Glover Teixeira. You know, he almost knocked him out. And I actually think, I think the first right hand was nearly bigger than the left hook as it stunned him and then the left one just threw him off balance because at the time when he landed that left hook I thought oh he's he's off balance maybe a little bit but it was the right hand that made him off balance I, and it was one of those ones where um, Jan took it very well and he kept going very well but I think that was kind of the beginning of the end because it made it easier for the takedown and in the finish as well was was just easy you know as you said he broke him and he was just able to get the finish but the, like the first okay the first round immediate takedown for Glover to share, share a good ground and bound a nice elbow can opener all the time as I mentioned but for me I think even though the second round was less comprehensive until obviously the end uh, or until the big right hand to left hook I just thought Glover his kind of refusal to give in and his refusal to give Jan an inch just kind of was yeah. the winning of the fight for him he was just going to execute his game plan and he, was, he wasn't going to take a backward step and you know uh, Jan obviously you know even even if he doesn't get the ta- if Glover doesn't get the takedown in the first round Jan has to think about the takedown and has to worry about that and um, and obviously getting the takedown is ideal and then Jan knows oh shit I can't get back up here I've been on my back for four minutes here just kind of being roughed up and you know every trick in the book being used on me and just being kind of worn down and uh, you know as you mentioned uh, he was stunned I thought and I th- thought that was proven by how easy the kind of second takedown came and you know how easily Glover passed to, to full mount and got the got the finish you know it's it's just um, it's just a really well executed game plan by a really wily veteran using using all the experience he has and all the skills he has he's a guy who's you know, he's not only experienced, but he's been he's been improving at a at an old age for this sport recently. You know, we usually see guys stagnate long before uh, this age, and Glover's not only kind of you know added experience and added uh, you know lessons that he learned in other fights. You mentioned the John Jones one where you kind of got to be a bit of a cunt in there, and you know uh, Daniel Cormier mentioned in during this fight Josh Barnett. You know, just just being making it as uncomfortable and as nasty as you can in there, and yeah, I do think it broke Jan in the end. And you know, to break a champion and who's you know, as as Glover mentioned, who went in there and beat Adesanya, who was undefeated, that's a that's a serious thing to do. Like, yeah, uh, can can openers like rubbing your head in their face with stubble, covering their mouth, that may all look kind of like not that much, but when when somebody's doing it to you and punching you in the face and they're taking you down and they're they're not giving you an inch they're not letting you breathe they're not giving you anything you're, you're, you're getting dominated it it can break you and it 
broke him. Yeah, I think it's it's funny that like I I don't know if anyone saw it. John uh, John Kavanaugh put up a thing the other day about Peter Yan's uh, flinch, and he was talking about and you know I don't know whether you agree with it. Most people probably wouldn't agree with it. Maybe they would, but he was talking about anticipation of things happening. You know, fighters moving their head before a punch comes and things like that. What happened here in the end was Jan Blahovich anticipated him tapping and losing. Right, he anticipated himself losing and ended up tapping before the choke was actually in, and that is the ultimate sign of someone breaking someone. And like, I'm not criticizing Yan at all. I'm this is absolutely giving credit to Glover Teixeira for doing that. Where all the reasons Graham just very uh, brilliantly spoke about there, it's uh, it was a some performance. I think like this is a performance that I think is going to be going to go down in or should go down in history i'm not sure actually if it will but it should go down in history as a great one because you mentioned adesanya there right and if you like what is adesanya known for and and his team known for they're known for fantastic game plans you know everyone talking about eugene behrman is like the greatest genius to ever coach in the sport and you know what they couldn't do they couldn't coach uh, the, the, his fight, he couldn't coach his fighter or, or uh, Israel Adesanya couldn't get the right game plan to beat Jan Blachowicz. and Glover Teixeira did it with ease you know he really 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 did and that is a sign of a fucking fantastic game plan that was produced unbelievably well by a guy who has worked for two fucking decades to get to a place where he can call himself the best in the world and it was Jesus Christ, it was brilliant to see. It was actually, it was absolutely brilliant to see. And like, I'm a big fan of Jan Blachowicz, so I picked him to win. You know, I, I think he's a very, very good fighter. I think he'll be back. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him fight for a title again. But tonight is Glover Teixeira's night. And it was, it was awesome. Awesome is the word for it. What a, what a fucking display. What a win. And, uh, and what a man. Fair, fair fucking play to him. Um, that's it's hard to move on from that honestly i i I was just so kind of in awe with that fucking fight it's oh but we have the rest of the card to uh to to talk about great what did you think of hasbulla being all over the place i found it very hard to watch any of the fights with hasbulla just like walking around on the outside and just sitting around what a what a man are you a hasbulla fan are you all right who is it who's it do you not know hasbulla no he's like the So he's like that little Russian lad that you know Habib was lifted up and Islam back oh, okay, at you. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, half of it got cut by, uh, yeah, by oh, BT Sports yeah, though. Yeah, it was awful. But like it was, well, he was there from like the first or second fight at night, and I was watching one fight, and I was watching away at a fight. Nesting has bullet got up and started walking around. And I was like, wait, hold on, where's he gone? <laughs> I was like, couldn't pay attention to the fight. It was fucking Hasbulla walking around him. I was like, you can't be doing that to me in UFC. But uh, he he made it a bit of crack anyway, and he made it a bit of fun. But we will uh, we will get back to Hasbulla in a in a while. Let's talk. Um, do you know what we leave, we leave Jan versus Sandhagen for a second, uh, and uh, we will just switch to a couple of the undercard fights. I will hear. I'll run through them here, and then you can do your uh, your report on sport as well, uh, Graham Here, uh, the first fight. He's gonna rob rob the second gap. Yeah, just gonna, <laughs> just gonna absolutely rob. I love to play the music over and everywhere. Um, the first fight, very close fight between uh, Tag- uh, Tagir Ulabekov against Alan Nascimento. Um, I know one, I think it was Ben Carnage, one judge had it for the guy who was on the bottom and the other two had it for the guy who was on the top. It was very close. It was one of those. Um, you know, there was a lot of submissions. I thought it was a very hard fight to score in terms of like, there wasn't that many strikes or much of a, stri- a striking deferential. I thought it was a lot of submission attempts. 
not many of which were actually that immediately impactful or close to fi- finishing the fight. So it was a very tough one to score, but a good fight, a very good fight. Uh, then Petros, so which, which way would you have went? Would you have went with or against your, your boy Cartage? I would have gone with him. I think I wasn't watching it close uh, enough. Who would, who would have expected? Who would have thought? Hold on, now the last few fights I've got against him, so there's, you know, I have to go. I have to go with him for once. But anyway. Uh, so yeah, fair play. I'll be meeting him next week as well. So I better, I better, <laughs> I better stay on his side for once. Um, then uh, Petroski against you. So uh, or Hugh even he felt a three and three in his career, and that I think tells you a lot. This was one of the worst fights I've seen the UFC in a long time. Petroski is okay. He's t- moves to seven. He's and going one for submissions. He didn't know how to finish did, for for a good while. He, there. Was, he was like a baby anaconda who hadn't learned to fucking choke yet. He, <laughs> he actually was. He just he had no clue. He's like, this looks okay. well, I, don't, I don't really know what's going wrong here, but we're gonna keep keep <laughs> squeezing it. We'll have a we we'll Do you know maybe it'll work? But yeah, not great. Um, didn't Leroy Murphy versus Mac One Americani? I think Murphy is a phenomenal prospect. But credit to Amir Khani, he took him down and was dominating him in the first round. Uh, and he won that first round, but 14 seconds into the second, all that good work was for naught because Lerone Murphy caught him with a beautifully timed knockout uh, from the, the takedown. Knee, yeah, knee inside. Just a beautiful shot altogether. I'm very high on Murphy, but this did show a little bit of a deficiency there. Amir Khani, look, Amir Khani's a very good wrestler. We've seen him in the past. Yeah, and he, but, and um, he definitely comes on strong early and, yeah. you know, he's definitely if he gets his takedown, he's definitely, um, you know, it's definitely a hard round to turn around. But, you know, obviously every round starts on the feet and Murphy took full advantage of that with a you know, highlight real finish and put Amir Khani out cold. Yeah, but yeah, yeah I, I, he did, he did. But I, I would be, I'd have a, like Murphy, this might be a good learning fight for him because everyone he fights from now on that's what they'll be doing you know they'll be trying to take him down so he has to be uh, he has to be very f- careful from uh, from now on but anyway we've got a great finish for him and I still think he's one of the, the best prospects coming through one of the most underrated as well the UK MMA guys get a lot of shine but he doesn't for some reason and I know and I know, I see a few people jumping on the bandwagon tonight after I was talking about him but uh, you know, he's <laughs> it's like Darren over again you win, a, you win a nice fight in the UFC and everybody loves you that's it nobody's that's even it. heard of you before mentioned you before <laughs> um Mikhail Olesiechuk then against Shamil Gamzimov. Um, Olesiechuk landed a beautiful jab and in the uppercut after it. The Russian lad was dipping his head down. I was watching with Patrick here. He was calling it all the time. He said, he's going to knock him out with an uppercut. And he did, in fairness. So Patrick called that one. I'll, I'll give him credit for it. Uh, and a very, very, uh, a very, very good win there for Olesiechuk. And then the, the the controversial one, I suppose, of the night. For <laughs> fuck's uh, sake. Dos <laughs> against Benoit Sadnery. There was a Russian referee in here, and uh, Zelecki de Santos beat the living head off of uh, B- BSD for the whole. Was it the second round? And then the referee just let it go, let it go, let it go. There was about three opportunities to stop it. And he didn't. And it was going for a 10-7 round, but Santini didn't nearly fucking knock De Santos out. Um but it ended up going. Did it, it go? It went to all three rounds. Oh, was really bad refereeing, wasn't it? This was awful, really, from the Russian referee, wasn't it? Yeah, and there was an eye poke, and uh, the he told him, "Or oh, can you see?" And he's like, "No, I can't see." And yeah. he's like, "All right, let's let's fight on." Yeah, go. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck not? is going on here? Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, even Dana was like, "Here, mate, you're out of here." Like, we were replacing <laughs> you for the rest of the night. Like, good luck. Just thrown out into the streets of Abu Dhabi to fit for himself. Yeah, you I, can't uh, see, is it? Okay, go on, fight. 
He looked he looked absolutely <laughs> like, lost. Like? like he, he that lad looked like a lad who'd never watched an MMA fight before. He was like a lad someone like his brother got the fucking run or something and he sent his twin brother out to be the referee. Look he genuinely looked like he'd never watched an MMA fight before. It was crazy. And but what Sandinita, what a fucking chin on that man. He kept going. And I think it was just the fact that he never kinda got knocked down, you know, and knocked out. He, the fact he was like Mark Goddard would have stopped that about three times standing like it was fucking it was really bad, really, yeah. really bad. But uh, you think that, that, that that's got to be a ten-seven, hasn't it? Uh, I I thought it was on would have been until Sandin. He almost fucking knocked him out, and he won like the last minute maybe of the round. So I would have given it a ten-eight, but borderline ten. But when there's several, several like near, very near knockouts, or, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's a borderline one. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it it, it it is borderline. If someone had given that a ten seven, I absolutely wouldn't have. Uh, I wouldn't have uh, said anything uh, anything bad about himself. But yeah, that refereeing was a uh, was pretty bad. Right here we go. Your report on sport, Graham. Let's go. First fight: Albert Durev versus Roman Kapilov. If anyone is wondering, I was watching the Man United match and I didn't see like the next four fights. So Graham is going to report on these fights: Durev versus Kapilov. Are you gonna hum my uh, a low budget version of the music? Yeah, what, what is the music again? Like, oh no, that's off the wall. Yeah, so so Kovalev kind of came out with some some low early uh, low leg kicks, but uh, Juryev just had better hands, better better job. It was a, it was a f- close first round, but uh, Juryev took it. Um, there was a knockdown early uh, by Kovalev uh, with a left hand. Takedown attempts against the cage, but Jurev, uh, he, he he gets uh, he gets into mount ground and pound, big elbows, uh, gets to rear naked choke, and it actually looks like he's tapped before the bell. It looks like the fight's over, but he's actually tapped right after the bell. So they actually start the third round, and uh, yeah, it's it's, it's more kind of slow. It's it's takedown attempts against the cage that aren't successful. More kind of grinding and uh, Kabilov kind of looks like he's out of it looks like he has his hands on his knees but all of a sudden he lands a massive uh, massive uh, counter punch as as um, his opponent comes in and uh, it's more of a tired fight from then on with the momentum um, or with a momentary takedown from a tired Yurayev wasn't a great fight it was it, it, it sounded it good moments, but, you made it sound good there yeah no, fairness. Yeah, well, it, it, it had a few. It had its moments, but it was uh, it was a tired fight, especially in the third round. But uh, I did enjoy that uh, kind of hands on knees, look like you're done, and then land the big punch as the guy comes in. Beautiful. Who was it back <laughs> so, in the day? Pete Sell, wasn't it? Remember he did that? Well, yeah, Pete yeah. Sell acted like he had a. He, he was hurt. He or he was hurt to the body, and I think uh, who went in? For, Pete Sell went in for the kill against yeah. Scott Smith. That, that was, was it. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And Scott Smith one. cleaned him out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Class. So I enjoy. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ramos again. I, I watched a bit. Yeah, I watched a bit of that one. The, the Hamas against uh, Tuhuga fight. It looked like Hamas was causing him a bit of problems for a while on the feet. Was was that the case? Was it? Yeah, it was I see spin, it's unanimous. There was a spinning elbow at the end of the first round. Uh, he was losing the first round, but obviously that was a huge impact, impactful moment. But uh, yeah, it was it was a close round, and then uh, the second round took uh, took kind of started landing more. The jab kind of came more into play. He got a late takedown to kind of make it pretty clear in the end. The third round, Ramos came out trying to make things happen, make more aggressive in the first round. He actually started coming forward instead of being on his bike for the first couple of minutes. But then the jab kind of settled in again and Ramos kind of ended up back on his bike. Uh, yeah, uh, 
took hook off, kind of became more accurate with the jab and uh, the one-two as well and had a bit of a takedown attempt against the cage and kind of just saw the fight to the end and won the decision. I'm just uh, just, uh, just looking here on uh, on Twitter. Someone sent me a link. Um, has Bull actually got into a fight with another small lad afterwards in the crowd? It looked absolutely hellacious fight. Whew, I don't know. Maybe that could headline the next Abu Dhabi car. I don't know. I don't know. He hasn't been signed, Hasbulla. He's probably the, the hottest free agent in in the world of MMA at the moment. So yeah, I don't know. Anyway, going back to your report, Amanda Hebas varnish in the ro- in the roba. Any use? Yeah, um, it was okay. Not really. It was uh, Vernick yeah, kind of came in and got a takedown in the middle of the cage. Uh, Rebus went for a triangle attempt, kind of a weird. I don't know. They were calling like a TP triangle attempt or something. I don't know what the hell was going on. It didn't really look like it was. It was uh, it was workable, but Paul Felder seemed to think it was workable. But uh, in the end, it 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 uh, it came to nothing. And there was a, there was uh, the ref like stood them up way too early at one stage, and then uh, Verna got a got a uh, t- got a knockdown against Rebas because of that uh, at the very end of the round because of that ref stand up and probably took the round. Uh, second round, Rebas came out kind of harder, landed a hard right hand after thirty about thirty seconds. Uh, there was a lot of hitting air there. Rebus was trying to get a job going. She kind of started getting it going there. Uh, she got a kind of takedown, but didn't do much with it. But she landed more and did, did enough to even up the fight. Third round, Rebus kind of continued out landing. Fearing looked very tired. Her, her pay 10 attempts were very bad and, and slow and just, just desperate. Uh, there was a left head kick, I think, by Rebus with about two minutes to go. And she did enough to she just kind of... Edged it. Out, out, uh, out, outworked uh, Verna in the, in the third round and won the decision. Jean de Robert did walk out to that. Island mine, island mine, island mine, island mine. She's all like. She should have got a point for that, really, but fair play out there anyway. Uh, so, yeah, he ba- like a good win for Hebas, though. She kind of puts her... <laughs> I just lost it. She puts her. Uh, she puts herself back, in, I suppose, in the discussion <laughs> at £115. This podcast has gone nowhere. Let's get on to the... Odzmir Ankalaev. Ankalaev won it. Not fucking much happened there. Bang. Not, yeah. Not a great fight. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about Shemaev versus uh, Li Jingyang. Shemaev is that guy, really, isn't he? Like, this guy... <sighs> I, I was my immediate thought after this was just have him versus Kamaru Usman if Usman wins next week. Honestly, that was my. I'm sorry, Leon Edwards. I apologize, and you should get the fight if you beat Bazvidal. But like, I want to see Hamza Shimaev versus Kamaru Usman in the welterweight yeah. division, and that's all I want to see. This guy's insane. It is. It is a huge step up from you know, uh, you know what he's been fighting, but he. I, what is it? Three or four strikes. He's he's or three or four fights. He's he's um, absorbed one one strike. It's it's you know uh, Maya did that at one stage. I think a similar thing years ago, but it was different. It wasn't. It was a. It was a. It wasn't um, a dominant, destructive kind of beating the way Shimaev has put on all of his opponents. You know, uh, obviously, Usman is is. You know, top of his game. He's got a very well-rounded game. He's got a very good job. He's got very good takedowns. He's he's got very good fight IQ. He follows game plans. He's a, he's a really well-rounded fighter. And if Shimaev went in there and and you know lost, to be no shame in that. But you know, I think I think he should he shouldn't rush him. I think he should be in straight into a number one contender fight. But I think 
putting him in there against Usman if he loses I think I think you know Gilbert Burns you might regret it yeah you could give him a Gilbert Burns that's a good fight you could give him a Covington if if you know if, if Covington week, if, yeah. if Usman needs to if Usman for any reason needs to you know has an injury or needs to take some time off or anything like that you he could him fight a, next week too like <laughs> no, he's uh, he didn't do much today yeah though, he'd be more know. than willing like you know if, yeah. if one of them if, if Usman or, or Covington was to get injured he'd probably be straight in there and he, he we know he has the antibodies anyway so he should be okay to get into uh, into the US if that is their rules or I don't know if you have to be vaccinated or dead I don't know anyway we won't yeah. get into that it, you know it, it, it was a brilliant performance you know yeah. he absolutely he destroyed him like I thought it would be uh, I, I thought he'd win the fight I thought he'd take a little bit more time and it would, it would be a little less yeah. destructive and a little less easy <laughs> than it was I, but, I uh, thought it was going to be his toughest fight like uh, you know Reese McKee probably gave him a better fight than anyone <laughs> so far like he lasted a few minutes everyone else he's just tied him like when he picked him up this is Li Zheng Yang like who's a good fighter he picked him up and he was just talking to Dana White as he dragged him to he the corner he could him down before that yeah. he was like nah I'm just going to pick him up and bring him over here <laughs> Like, he just no respect at all and he like he, uh, the only one I can think of and it's even less so than this uh, who just destroys people is Habib on his way up who you just know is going to be the champion in that division now Usman maybe is a little bit of a tougher like because if, if you're looking maybe it's Frankie Edgar coming up or Vincent Henderson or something you know I think everyone who at some stage Habib but I was at, both at, these at guys, this but. stage of the career I think Shimaev is definitely more developed yeah, than oh, Habib with, without more a shadow green. Of a doubt. yeah without a shadow of a doubt like he's because he has the big knockouts as well and, and everything like that I think he's at a higher level than Habib on the way up I, I would agree and <laughs> They look, the only problem is there's a higher level at the very top as well. So it's uh, oh, it's, it's exciting. You know, it's very, very exciting. And uh, it's great. Like the reservations I had was, okay, it's a step up against Lee. And he obviously he had Dorona as well. Very, very bad uh, bout of it. Um, but to come back like this, I think those reservations are gone. So if you do put him into Gilbert Burns or a Wonderboy fight or something like that, that's a fucking... And I, no, I don't want to do it to my poor all-boy Wonderboy, but oh my God, this guy is... This is next level of fighting. This guy is unbelievable. I can't wait to see uh, what he does next. Like, I think they need to get him out there straight away again. Like, get him out there before Christmas if, they, if you can. You know, I, I think... Uh, you push him into a big fight uh, very soon, even if it is someone maybe a little bit further down ranks. But like getting someone to fight him is probably a fucking tough thing as well. Maybe you have to get someone who's slipping towards the the precipice of the top ten or something like that. And I don't know who that might be. But anyway, we'll move on. Um, Volkov and Tibora, not a great fight again. It was, it was all right. Three you know rounds where Volkov won it. <clears throat> Got the United three States. rounds. Yeah, you know, yeah. three rounds. It, 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 do you know what it was? It was a fight. That was it. Uh, Islam Makachev then against Dan. Hooker, this was similarly easy. You know, he got Hooker to the ground, Kimura at him, and that was that. Like I tweeted earlier on in the night, just like, oh, when was the last time there was a Kimura on the UFC? And then there was a fucking Kimura. But I suppose it kind of tells yeah, well, you. Hooker, it looked like he was trying to claim he, he didn't actually tap. He didn't stop. I don't think. Though. Yeah, I think the so. referee stopped it, but. The referee yeah. stopped it because Dan Hooker's fucking arm was about to come off and be brought back home to Makachkala. Like, that's the reason he stopped it. He was going to be chicken winged like Nogara. Yeah, he was, yeah. Also, I had fucking. But he actually even mentioned about Nogara. Yeah. Uh, he got punched he by Hal over off. He he said Clover off. He started crying afterwards, and then you <laughs> could see Clover just, just <laughs> after that he turned to the camera, his lip was just shaking. Was just like, oh, oh Jesus, it was great. I I actually can't get over. It. I, it's hard to get the smile off my face. You know, I'd, I I was talking the other day myself and Harry did a podcast coming out in a couple of weeks time about like journalism and about you know not taking sides or anything. And I didn't you know I didn't really have a side in the end versus Glover one, even though I've liked Glover for years. But when Glover won and when it was all over and it's no longer a contest, I just. 
Jesus, the, the kind of the happy feeling you ha- you'd have for a man like that who seems like a really good guy as well. It's just, ah, it's fucking brilliant. It's brilliant. Bring a tear to a glass. He would, he would indeed. He would indeed. Jalosh was nearly as good as Marcus Rashford scoring today when I had him backed at fucking 19 to 1 to score. And that's also at 7 to 1 to have a shot on target. And Man United won 3 0. So what more could a Ollie man in. want? Ollie's at the wheel. Ollie's at the wheel. How did Liverpool get on today, actually? Actually, Liverpool gained a point on Man City. Oh, I'm not yeah. too worried about Chelsea. You lost so two points on us. You lost two points on Man United. So last week's win was actually only like Man a one-point game. Man United, Man United just won the, a game in the in the race for the Europa Conference. Uh, we, we only gained one point on us in the last week, and that's a fucking fact. That is a fact. Anyway, Man United finished above Liverpool last year as well, so I'll have you fucking remember that. Right, let's talk about that. And Makachev. Ali in. Ali in. Makachev, he's on his way up as well in the 155-pound division. Oh, I think as well with him, and I say this a, a lot of the time as well, get him another fight quick. Like, get him in there. If I'm Makachev, you know you're not going to probably get yeah, the you winner. Haven't taken it. You haven't been touched. There's, there's no problem, you know. Maybe the weight would be the only thing, but, you know. Get, get him on the get him on the, uh, the the lightweight title fight card. When's that? That's the end of the year, yeah. isn't it? Even Get him on there against a lightweight at one sixty five or one seventy. Who who fucking cares? Yeah, you. I think make yourself undeniable if you're uh, Islam Makachev, and even if you're fighting somewhere further down the rankings, I I think take it and get it. Like I'd be calling out Benny Lariush if I was him. Now he's another one of my guys, Benny. So I'm putting him in against all the tough guys. But that's who I'd be calling out, trying to force the UFC's hand to make that, and try to force um, Benny Lariush's hand as well. Because if you win that, then you are in place, and there's no denying it. But um, you know, he might, maybe he look, maybe he'll sit out and he'll get the title shot. But I wouldn't take that chance because I think he's going to beat most of those guys, and he'll he'll get that title shot um and uh you know he's he's just phenomenal look fair play to dan hooker taking the fight but i i had a uh, i had a lot of reservations when everyone was like calling dan hooker a gangster for taking this fight and all and i was like you know he is and i didn't want to be like a party pooper or anything so i didn't really say anything but like what a stupid fight to take in three weeks <laughs> three weeks notice or whatever it was in fairness like you know you're just no, you're going to lose that fight. I don't yeah, know. But he said he asked for him before. He said in the promo he asked for him before, and uh, Islam turned it down and tried to try to take Ordea, yeah. and then Ordea got injured, so he he got he got the call again. So mm-hmm. maybe he had in his mind, maybe you know, I don't think he was going in thinking he's going to lose that fight. You know, these guys have that you know ridiculous belief in themselves that even even if they're completely outmatched, they, they think they're going to win. So yeah. you know, self belief thing, and I don't think it was that short notice. So. You know, if you want to get to the top, you kind of, you know, you need to make things happen. And um, obviously, <laughs> with the end result, uh, it wasn't a, it wasn't too good a decision. He got absolutely mauled. But uh, you know, obviously, he wasn't he he wasn't planning on that. He was planning on making a lot of money, kind of catapulting himself back up the rankings. And you know, he took a chance, and yeah, it didn't work out. But. Uh, it's as you say. It's always easy to be the general after the battle, and uh, you you were thinking you were thinking it was a bad decision, but you didn't say anything. So uh, that's true. That is true. So yeah, hard to be given out to me. Hated or loved, the underdogs on top. Graham, not true. Anyway. <laughs> Go ahead, envy me. I'm Raps MVP. Anyway, Peter Yan against Corey Sandegan. This podcast is getting off the rails. I'm glad we have the second half of this recording. <laughs> I don't know why you, you've been smoking tonight. 
Me? I've been smoking nothing. That's right. Fucking, you've been smoking something. No. <laughs> you've been smoking something. I haven't. Somebody, I, somebody spiked you with something. I, I? I had one can of harp. That's what I had now. So, jeez, I haven't drank in a while, actually. Oh, maybe that. Who have you got to kill to get a pint of harp around here? Get a pint of harp. Oh, God. We're dr- oh, yeah, as well. Anyone around for pints? We'll be drinking pints, lads. Come out. Uh, Friday. After the fight. Gibson. Pints. Right, we'll see you in. Um... We probably won't actually because no one will be able to get in. I'd say with all these fucking COVID certs and all. But anyway, oh, they don't let you into the Gibson at the best of times. Yeah, the best fucking... time. It's going to be a disaster. Like it's actually the fighters are all staying there and stuff, and I'm staying there as well. And all the Bellator crew. So you'll probably see me drinking with fucking Josh Thompson at five o'clock in the morning at some stage anyway. So that'll be fun. But anyway, um, Peterian against Corey Sandhagen. Uh, this two rounds in, I tweeted this is on on course to be a fight of the year. Um, and it didn't turn really? into that. Yeah, yeah, I thought after two rounds it was, but it was still a good fight. Don't get me wrong, a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant fight, a, a smashing five round fight. But I think Yan yeah, got too good because he kind of took over the fight after the first round, and you know, it, it just kind of in my my scorecard anyway, won forty nine forty six. Even though there was some very close rounds in there, I think for it to be you know a fight of the year contender. It has to it has to have bigger flashpoints or be a closer fight or you know the jeopardy be kind of more long lived, but uh, you know Corey Sandhagen did fight a really good fight. You know he came out and looked better than he thought he better than I thought he would. He definitely you know came out he definitely came out strong. Won the first round. I know Peter Yan's kind of you know he's a bit of a slow starter or he kind of. That tries to make round, reads on people. Yeah, that first round was very interesting because I was about four minutes into that first round. I was like, Corey Sandhagen's going to win this fight. To me, like, he looked like the better fighter in that first well, round. We've seen Jan do this before where yeah, he's kind of yeah, just, but, yeah, feeling his way into it. He's just like, all right, what you got? Like, just, yeah, I, we have, but I kind of forgot that too, I suppose. <laughs> but like, Sandhagen was using his, using his lint so well. He was mixing it up with, with takedowns now. Yeah, I know he, different angles. Yeah, yeah, he got a couple of takedowns, but anyone who's watched the Megamed Megamedov fights, um, and there'll be a few more Megameds in this podcast, keep listening. <laughs> <laughs> there'll be a few more keep listening but anyone who's watched those 10 rounds no one knows that you're not you might take Yan down but you're not fucking holding him down and Sandhagen clearly wasn't going to do it in this but it was good to switch it up and I just thought like he was kind of tying with him not tying with him but um, you know landing a lot of shots on the feet and landing some good kicks and stuff like that Um, and he was just quicker I thought and more varied and I just felt like he was going to take the fight. And in the second round, Jan, I think his power just took over. And by the time the kind of the midpoint of the third round came... Well, even the second round was really close, though, it as was well. Close, uh, yeah. In yeah. parts, you know, it, it wasn't like a, oh, after round one, he just kind of took over, even though Absolutely. The, on the scorecards he did. But, you know, Sandhagen definitely was game kind of in the fight. And it was it was the third round where it really kind of turned. Yeah, because the, the, the problem is that Jan's adjustments from the really good first round of Sandhagen saw Jan become a more attacking, impactfully landing fighter Corey's adjustments after Yan had won the, the the latter part of the second and was starting to take over in the third made Corey Sandhagen become a much bef- better defensive fighter but not a much better attacking fighter and just 
allowed Jan to win, but like in a le- little bit less of an impactful fashion than he was in uh, these really good parts of the third and these really good parts of the fourth as well for times. Like in the fifth round, Sandhagen was just moving, moving, moving. And the, the commentary kept saying like, oh, he's having a much better fifth round. He he really wasn't in terms of offense. He was defensively, but Jan was absolutely winning that round. Like in the fourth round, he hurt him yeah. a good few times. Well, his corner, his corner told him, Sandhagen's corner told him going into the fifth, oh, you need this round. It's like, no, you don't need this round. You need to finish this fight. Yeah. You know what I mean? Why well, are you telling them that? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if he had been told here, go out there and finish this fight or you're never, you're not going to be the champion. There was or a, you're not going to, yeah. you know what I mean? Time. There was another time as well. This, I can't remember exactly what they said, but I think it was after the third round and they said something like really wacky or they were like, oh, you're winning this fight or something like that. I was short like, memory, short memory. Or yeah, it was like, then, but was like I, don't mind that, I don't mind that part. Like, forget about the last round, fight the next round. No problem with that. But like, it felt like they were, they were saying well, well, that Before to you him. go on, what did you think about like the commentators making out like uh, Sandhagen some kind of a genius because he said, oh, you got to fight every yeah. round as five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> what it's about? like, yeah. Every fighter ever, except you, Daniel Cormier, <laughs> thinks that. <laughs> Daniel Cormier heard this 42 years of age, like, excuse me? He's like, he's a real student of the game, this guy. He's fucking fight like you through the roof. This guy's some kind of fucking mental genius. Uh, Daniel Cormier's like, there's rounds of fights? Huh? When did this you can't just look at it as a fucking fight. Like, it, it's fucking every five-minute period. Like, this guy's a fucking, this guy's fucking genius. genius. Fucking Corey Einstein going around. <laughs> Oh, uh, Daniel Carvey is so fucking bad. Uh, I, I, he, you know, he wasn't this bad tonight in fairness, but he's... I, I actually but don't that was know. Just, I was just like, what is he talking about? It was ridiculous. About? It was ridiculous. I honestly don't know how Daniel Carvey still has a job with UFC. Like, he's so bad. I think everyone has kind of seen it now. I don't know. Anyway, but yeah. So yeah. Look, a great performance by him after the first round. And, like, I've spoken about an awful lot down through the years about people having the ability to switch mid-fight and fight a, a better start to fight. But I don't know if we ever seen someone like Yan who's doing it at this top level in terms of, like, you know, like Floyd Mayweather kind of does it, to give away an early round, get all the reads, and then win the fight, you know? And I well, we saw Aldo do a similar thing over the years, kind of not give away the first round, but, you know, do take your time to kind of settle into the round, especially when you have five rounds to do it. I think it's much harder to do when you have three rounds. Yeah, I, uh, we did. And look, Anderson Silva did it as well, uh, to be fair. But I don't know, yeah, it just true, feels, yeah. it feels a bit different with Yan. Lyoto Machida is kind of like that as well. Throughout the years, he feel you out, faint a lot, just kind of not commit to anything. But yeah, I think Yan, you know. Yeah, do you know what, uh, do you know what the, I think the difference maybe is? I think all of those lads were kind of built a lot on defense, whereas Yan isn't as much. You know, Yan will take a shot. And it, I, I'm not saying he's a bad defensive fighter, right? <laughs> yeah. but he is more of an attacking fighter. Like, you couldn't say Anderson Silva's not an attacking fighter, but, like, he trusts his defense. Like, Dominic Cruz, one of the best defensive fighters of all time. Josie Aldor, brilliant defensive fighter. Like, Leota Machida built his whole career, basically, and his ability to defend and, and counter from it. Whereas Yan... He isn't that, you know, he goes forward and he hits lads. So maybe that's why it's a little bit different. Like he'll take 50 shots to, to understand how he, he's getting hit. And like, okay, now let's, let's move from there. But uh, yeah, he's a fantastic fighter. Like, and we're, you know, we can talk about what's gone next for him, but it's it's surely him versus uh, Aljamain Sterling now. Aljamain Sterling is still the champion. And uh, and uh, yeah, and the, uh, the interim champion now, obviously. So uh, that, that fight is, is going to happen next. So looking forward to that rematch. Anyway, so... Yeah, will we uh we leave it there, Graham? Anything else to uh to add after that? No, bright upbrighten. 
Yeah, oh, fucking hell. Yeah, it's, it's a disappointing, <laughs> yes. it's a disappointing yes. points to throw away, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a long season and we're still undefeated in uh, the Premier League uh, and the Champions League. I, so I think we have uh, I think so we keep have, on rolling. I think we have another bit of soccer talk at the end of this podcast, <laughs> maybe. As yeah, the, where we have. Yeah, maybe. Anyway. Ooh, fa- uh, back to the future. Back to or, the future. Right. Uh, that's it from us. We, I will, but it's not, it's from the podcast. There's another, like, 40 minutes of this podcast to go. So I'm going to now throw it over <laughs> to Sean Sheehan to, for part two of episode 335, I think. Take it away, Shadi. Thank you very much, Shadi. Very, very good. Jeez, uh, that was some car, Graham, wasn't it? UFC 267. Jesus, brilliant, wasn't it? <laughs> I hope so, hope so. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, yeah, so let's talk about uh, Bellator Dublin. And obviously, you know, it's been, it's been such a long time since... We've had fights in Irish. I mean, obviously, we do the Cage Legacy cards, which was a, a great success there a while back. But for the, the you know the big, it, it felt like you know the UFC was supposed to come. Then Bellator was here, obviously, in the the start of two thousand and twenty, which I was at when I I remember hearing about the coronavirus for like the, the first time, kind of being in Ireland when that event was on. I remember standing outside the Gibson Hotel and like uh, hearing it on the radio or something of uh, of that uh, that Sintra there near the Gibson. I was like, oh, Jesus, this could be a bit serious. Uh, and there hasn't been anything since, you know, in terms of. Of big events. Yeah, we haven't had a coronavirus since. <laughs> yeah, no, whatever happened to that coronavirus? <laughs> oh god, it was for it was only for the hipsters that coronavirus. But uh, yeah, like we, as I mentioned, the UFC was supposed to come. Bellator were coming back regularly. We had cage warriors for the first time in a while, you know, down in Cork, and they were due to go to Dublin and due to go to Belfast. And uh, I, I think there was there was another event in June. What event was it in Belfast? Maybe maybe it was Cajors. I remember I had a hotel booked in Belfast anyway to to go up to uh, to an event, and that ended up getting cancelled as well. But we're back, you know. We're finally back, and okay, we're recording this about what ten days out, so maybe we're not back yet. But <laughs> hopefully we are back, and hopefully it all goes down well. And um, you know, it's great. You know, before we get into the card or anything else like that, it's great to see mixed martial arts back. Um, it's, look, some gyms haven't been able to stay open, and some you know some fighters, I'm sure, aren't fighting anymore probably they had to go and get fucking normal jobs because they couldn't uh, couldn't keep it going and that's it's such a pity and hopefully people will be able to get back into it and get back going again and if you did keep going maybe the likes of this and the likes of Cage Legacy come back and hopefully Cage Warriors and places will uh Will be the re-up that everyone needs, but this is a this is a great start to it. And let, let you know what? Let's start at the very, very top because it's not often an Irish person fights for a world title and uh, a world title. Uh, Hold on. <laughs> No, not a world title. No, Villator, we can't call it a world title. No? Okay. Well, I've heard many a rant from you about uh, (laughs) non-UFC titles being called world titles, so I'm I'm taking it back here Uh, by your your sudden (laughs) U-turn. I actually kind of have you turned a little bit, especially talking to Sinead Cavanaugh the other day. I was like, Jesus, Sinead's a great woman. You'd have, and I feel like that 145 pound belt is uh, the been, world you've title. You've been taken in. You've been taken in. It's like uh, the judging association union all over again. <laughs> they got me. They got me. But anyway, like a, a big, you know, better title. Look, it's it's when when John McCulligan won the title and when Paul Hughes won the title and Neil Seary won the title and Cage Wires and, and Kyle Pinder and Conor McGregor back in the day. They meant a lot, but I I, th- I feel like Bellator, you know, being kind of the the second organization in the world in terms, maybe not in terms of uh, of all things, you know, Cage Warriors is right up there and other promotions as well, but in terms of 
I suppose, quality of fighter, you would have to say they are. And a lightweight title, you know, lightweight is the, is the best division in the world, a lot of people would argue. For that title to be on the line, even if it's not you know, the world title, it's still a big title without a shadow of a doubt. And for it to be... Uh, happening in Ireland with an Irish person fighting for the title in the main event. It's huge. It really is huge. And I, I know, okay, we could joke about the world title, but it's big, isn't it? And I'm, uh, as someone who's been, you know, a long time covering Irish MMA, it's, it's magic and it's great to see this, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And it's, it's even though it's like a recently vacated title, it feels like a deserved title shot. You know, it's yeah. not like, you know, it's not like some events where you see, oh, local Irish guy is going to get a shot of the title, you know, or local guy is going to get a shot of the title. It's It seems like, you know, Obviously, with his brother, um, with uh, Patricio's brother, or Patricio's brother, sorry, Patricio. Um, Patricio, is it Patricio? That's Patricio. Not, oh, is man, that the third brother? <laughs> you, you, whatever, whatever. Yeah, I get you. We Sli- get slightly you. bigger Pitbull. <laughs> uh, uh, slightly smaller Pitbull <laughs> vacated the title. And it seems like, you know, uh, obviously the first fight was uh, a great fight between Queedy and Pitbull. And uh, Queedy got the finish, but... There was some kind of, you know, controversy with the cut of it. Whenever there's a doctor stoppage due to a cut, the, the other guy's going to feel a bit aggrieved or a bit like, ah, you know, I, I want to run that one back. So it feels like a really, really big fight. And obviously it being in Ireland makes it an even bigger fight. And I'm sure by the time, you know, I think Queedy's got, he's kind of adopted one of the best walkout uh, entrance tunes uh, in MMA in general. Uh, that gets the crowd really going, and I think it's going to be a really good atmosphere there. And I think five rounds actually suits uh, Peter here. Yeah, uh, I think you know he can even if he gets off to a bit of a slow start, there's still time, and he knows that he he's done it before. He knows he can put he can turn it around, and you know we've seen him do it many times, not just against Pitbull. We've seen him kind of be in hard spots and come back mm-hmm. um, in front of an Irish crowd before. So uh, yeah, I think this is a huge fight for Greeley, and I think he's a. I know he's an underdog in this, but I think he's a very live dog in this fight. Yeah, I, I actually, I, I went back and I watched the, the first fight the other day. That'll be out this week over on Patreon on, on the rewatch on Thursday, I think it'll be. And, you know, we, we spoke about this fight a couple of weeks ago on the podcast when we started off talking about this fight and Sinead Kavanagh against Cyborg, which we'll obviously cover in depth next week. Um, and I think we both kind of agreed. And, and you know, as you said, there, I'm not sure if the lines are out yet, but I, I think even now, Patricky will be the favourite coming into this fight. And I had him in my mind as the favourite. Like, I was going to pick Patricky. And, and maybe I still am, but I watched I, I watched back that fight. And Queeley was the better fighter in that fight. I don't think there's any shadow of a doubt. Now, Patricky landed some good stuff, lovely leg kicks, landed a couple of takedowns, but he I, wasn't I think that... the thing with them leg kicks is, mm. when you're really pale like Queeley, it kind yeah, of they look bad. shows more, you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? It wasn't actually that bad, those leg kicks, I don't think. You know, yeah. they, were, they were decent leg kicks, but they weren't like, you know, if Queeley had landed the exact strength, exact same technique, leg kicks to, to Patricky, you probably would have said nothing because you wouldn't have seen the kind of mark. Yeah, and I actually, I spoke to Peter the other day, and I'll be out during the week as well, over over Sherdog, and he was kind of saying that himself. That get the fake tan on, get the fake tan <laughs> get on, the get in there. Tan on, yeah. Just redding up the legs before he went there. But he was kind of saying that too, that like he, he would have kept fighting through him, that they didn't really bother him. And he also said like, he feels as well that that fight shouldn't have been stopped with the cut, which is a very gracious thing to say, I suppose. But I think coming into this one, you have to look at all the different factors, the cardio as well, that five rounds, I think, definitely does favour Peter Queeley. He's the, the, the bigger, kind of stronger fighter. And it's funny that you think, like, 
and I, I'll just circle back a second for for the first fight. You watch that first fight and the kind of the pace Peter Queeley uh, put on Patricky. That's going to be a harder thing to do over five rounds. But I, you know, he, he was telling me the other day that he could do it for fucking ten rounds basically, and he has that pace. And um, I feel like what having watched back. If he can establish kind of that center of the cage and push Patricky back and land that jab and land those kicks down through the middle like he did the last time, maybe sort out the leg kicking problem a little bit and not get taken down as much. And if he does get taken down, do the exact same thing he did the last day. It's it's actually hard not to pick Peter Queen here, to be honest. And I actually, I did, you might think, listen to this if you're over the burgers, but oh, he's a biased, biased Irish lad. But I'm, I'm, I, that's my honest opinion now. After after I haven't watched back the first fight, now look, I'm sure both guys learned a lot from that fight, and Patricia probably learned a lot from it as well. And maybe if I if I was looking at it from his point of view, I think he should use his pace an awful lot more, his quickness an awful lot better in this fight, and try to come down through the middle and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight shots on uh, on Peter Queeley. Uh because he is an awful lot of a bigger guy and be more elusive and move more. But that that really is not the, uh, I'm going to call him the pit calf here and, and say, <laughs> instead of the pit bull, we call Patricio the pit bull and him the pit calf. Uh, it, 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 both of those lads, you know, we saw uh, Patricio fighting against Pedro Carvalho and I remember I watched a good bit of him before that and he was very much, stand, he's very much a stand in the pocket and whiff those big shots and Patricio is, is a very similar type of fighter, I think. Um, so he's going to have to change up his game an awful lot for fighting a bigger guy like Peter Queeley. And maybe he can do that. You know, maybe he can do that. I think it's going to be a close fight. I think it's going to be a very close one. But I also think uh, Queeley won't, you know, Queeley won't go out there and wilt. You know, Queeley will go out there and he showed that in the first fight that he'll go out there and fight his fight. And the big thing coming in, and you kind of alluded to it there. Is the crowd, is that walkout song, is the Irish crowd, like the Irish people get behind their own people. And, you know, Queely, I spoke to him the other day, he's very proud to be headlining Ireland. And he, you know, he was kind of saying he was, you know, delighted for Connor, delighted for James, delighted for everyone else. But he wants to be that guy in the main event. Now he is there. And he's, you know, he's kind of had that pressure of the walkout song and all the crowd getting behind him. And he knows it now for two or three times. And look, he lost once against Miles Price. And then he came in and he had a very bad start against Scope. He ended up winning that. But, you know, I think he's used to it now. He's well able for the crowd getting behind him. And they're going to be seriously behind him. And it's going, it's a big challenge for Patricky. Even if you forget about the fight for a second, the mental side of it's going to be huge, isn't it? Yeah, you know, uh, people have talked about like UFC fighters, even uh, UFC Dublin when it was going on, um, how they'd love to fight in an atmosphere like that. But, you know, it looks great from the outside, but being under that pressure, you know, and, and, and big game pressure, like we see like, you know, Man United, Liverpool, big game for Man United, you know, please, the please, pressure gets please them. Like, even a, even a former, a former world-class player like Ronaldo, like completely balled it. Like, so, you know what I mean? Like it, it does, <laughs> it does play into it. And if, if James is just after coming off a, a big victory over, over Apache Mix, which could potentially happen, the crowd will obviously be uh, very up and, you know, uh, on a, on a high. And I think that they will be anyway, but that would add a little, a little extra pep to the, the fan step as well. So yeah. yeah, I think I think like you know this could be um, this could be one of the this probably will be the the biggest most hostile atmosphere uh, Patricky's ever fought in. It, do you know what? It could go the opposite way as well, though. Imagine if, like, let's say James loses, and let's say, you know, because he's a very tough fight against Apache Mix, and Pedro's just before that yeah, against Vigil. He could lose as well. Like, you could be coming into this with two or three Irish guys in a row after losing, and then that brings a different sort of pressure, because this isn't, 
you know, Bellator cards for the last while, there's been a lot of kind of Irish lads getting gimme fights in, in certain realms. That has changed an awful lot over the last few months. And this card, looking at the top, forget about anything else but the top three for a second. You know, Pedro Carvalho, obviously, you know, is Portuguese-Irish, but he's an SPG guy and people will know that. Vichel is no easy fight. Yeah, that's Pit, a really tough fight. Uh, yeah. Mix is no easy fight. Pitbull is no easy fight. This could be one where the Irish lads go three on three and or on three in the top three fights, and that's that's going to be a test for the Irish crowd as well, you know. And it's a t- it could be a test for Peter Queeley if he's gone into the main event. But um, you know, it's uh, I'm looking forward to it anyway. It, sh- it should be fun, and that that main event, like it's we talk an awful lot about uh, how guys should come up and how guys should uh, you know work their career in terms of taking fights to get ready for fights to get ready for the big show you know and Peter Queeley really hasn't done that has he over the years he fought over in Russia and fought in fucking Africa and even here yeah. locally at the John time you know, people say oh don't don't go over and fight these guys yeah, you have to finish them that, yeah. you know we, we, we said that like certain times as well like you know uh, you, you kind of there's been cases where we've seen clear decisions like uh, should have went other way and you kind of know you have to go in and finish them so it's an extra pressure there and you're obviously fighting in a hostile crowd so I think that stood well to him you know that's uh i think experience in high pressure situations is, is always good 100 like he he told me the other day this is not going to be his toughest fight he's like i fought lads over in russia who are a lot tougher than than patricky and it's true and like patricky is has fought on, on obviously on some big cards and stuff but I, d- I don't know has he ever fought in an atmosphere like what's he's going to see in ireland like this is the tree arena is only open this week. Like, this is the first big event people have been at in two years. People are going to be fucking rabid for this. This is the first night out for a lot of people in fucking two years. And there's an Irish guy in the main event, uh, which is in itself is is huge anyway, and would be no- in normal times, walking out to the Cranberries. You know, Dolores O'Riordan passed away in the last two years. Did she? Maybe, but it's whatever. It's, it, you know, that, that, that walkout song alone. There's just so much stuff. Like, this is... This is going to be a fucking melting pot, and Patricky has never seen anything like that. I don't care if he's fought in front of ten thousand or fifteen thousand people. This is going to sound like a hundred thousand people, and every single person in that building is going to be against him. Apart from maybe your missus, is she coming with you? Is she the Brazilian? You're, you're going to have to hide her, Greg. Yeah, I'm in, the, I'm in. I'm in the fan section, yeah. so it's been a long, long time yeah. since I've been there. So. I, I have to remember that I can actually shout and celebrate. And ah, no, you're not allowed now. You're a fucking journalist. <laughs> you're not allowed to that. There's no celebrating allowed. Sure, nobody will be seeing me. I'll be, I'll be hiding I in, know, in yeah. uh, the masses. Uh, meanwhile, I'll be myself and Andy Stevenson will be working hard. But uh, anyway, um, yeah. So the, the main event is going to be is going to be crazy. The core main event then, Patchy Mix versus James Gallagher. Obviously, this was supposed to be the main event. Does it's still a three round fight? The the five round um, uh, Bellator fights aren't coming until the new year. So on, the only thing changing is the placement. I don't, look. I spoke to um, Peter about that, and he's like, "Oh, look, James is happy for me." And James said on Twitter, "Is happy." I don't think there's much of a story there anyway. But the fight itself, like watching James and Patricky. Or uh, Apache, sorry, Jesus, they all have the fucking same names. Uh, yeah, oh my God. They're very similar. They're very similar fighters. They're like, I think Patchy is, he's a little bit less athletic than James. Um, I think he's very much a grapple first type of fighter. Will always try to get inside. Not not the quickest in the world. He throws kind of these big hooks, front kicks through the middle. And like everyone knows James, he tries to catch a leg. James is very smart setups. I think um, 
uh, mix is maybe a little bit stronger and is maybe a little bit of a better kind of a, a double leg if he goes straight for you and pushes you against the cage. Both of them on the ground are absolutely fantastic. Patchy's ability to get the back and choke you is, is absolutely unbelievable. James's jiu-jitsu is brilliant as well. Like, I haven't watched back a couple of James fights as well and watched he's striking. Um, it's, it's maybe not as bad as people make out. And as well, the big factor coming in here, this is James Gallagher's first fight over training in America with James Crowes for this whole camp. He's only home about a week. Um, it'll be interesting to see, first of all, how much of an improvement he's made. And second of all, how different he fights. And then who's going to be in his car? Or who's going to be his main coach? Who's going to be giving him his game plan? You know, he's, he said on Instagram a couple of times, maybe I'll be able to speak to him during the week. But he said, you know, still with SBG and all that and still with, with John Kavanagh. So it, there's a lot of interesting things and a lot of unknowns, I suppose, coming in here with James Gallagher as well. In the, to me, the toughest fight of his career. This is this is a fun one, isn't it? This is excitement written all over us. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Another thing is, you know, uh, he hasn't he hasn't fought in a year, so he obviously, as you said, he's been out training in a, in a different place. So it'll be interesting to see kind of what he's added and um, if he has a different game plan than he usually has, or if he's you know what weapons he's he's looking to implement that uh, that he's picked up over there. Um, obviously, his uh, his opponent is 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 a very good opponent. He's been talked about for for probably two or three years now. This matchup. And um, you know, it's I, both guys are very good on the ground. I might be biased because I've seen a lot more of James's jiu-jitsu, but I, I feel like James is going to have a, a slight advantage on the ground. Um, like on the feet, I think you know, as you said, I think James's striking is a little bit underrated. I think his offensive striking is better than his defensive striking historically. Maybe maybe that's another thing that he's worked that he's been working on like you know being over there moving around with new bodies new coaches other coaches seeing different things adding different things it can only help so it's going to be very interesting to see kind of the new James Gallagher and if there is going to be a new James Gallagher a new style or if it's going to be you know kind of little details on the same style yeah it's it is going to be very interesting like and the, the thing about James is as well though he has kind of fought different styles in different fights like i watched his fight um Oh, uh, who was it? One of his fights that went fucking nearly 15 minutes anyway. I can't remember his name, but... Uh, and he was fighting out of a very kind of karate-ish style, hands down. Then you look at the one, uh, the Ricky Badez fight, where he came out and he'd like hands up really high and he was fighting like that and, and he was boxing a lot and throwing kind of that, that lead hand uppercut and even the backhand um, entry uppercut, which we saw Magomed Karamov getting knocked out badly with the last thing. The same sort of thing happened uh, to... Uh, to, to James Gallagher, so I think he'll. I would agree with you. His defensive striking is more the issue than the offensive striking, and if that hole is plugged, now it won't be totally plugged in in six months or however long he's been there. But you know, if if it's gone away to be plugging that, I think it's very very big and could be huge for James Gallagher. So I'm very interested to see how he looks and um, how how this fight goes. I I'm kind of selfishly hoping this fight goes to the ground. To see a jiu-jitsu battle, you know, people might think I hate jiu-jitsu, but I, I absolutely don't. And I think if this does go to the ground, it could be absolute fucking fireworks between the two of them. The the transitions, the the battle for the back. Oh my god, it's it it has classic kind of ground fire written all over it. Now sometimes when that happens, it turns into a it turns into a striker match. But I'd be interested as well to see how the striker match will work out because, as I mentioned, mix is. What he has is just big hooks, really. That's uh, no, you know, he can strike. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. Um, he fights out of southpaw for most of the, the the time as well. You know, James would be well used to that. Obviously, you not know, down the years training with Conor McGregor and and different people. Um, but James is 
kind of more uh what would the word be a, a, a changing kind of striking as i mentioned earlier on would strike in different sort of ways might be kind of uh, might be a good way of getting around the patchy mix striking and I think if James is maybe a little bit more careful in terms of coming in close maybe if he throws a lot of those kicks like he's done in the past I think that could be a good way of winning that fight on the feet but it's it's going to be an interesting one and a big big test for James Gallagher you know a lot of people are giving out he hasn't been tested for a while and a lot of that down too I think is down to injuries and obviously down to the pandemic and stuff but this is a real test and uh, I'm really really looking forward to seeing this I, I find it hard to pick a winner this one to be honest I, I think I'm just about going for James but like you know maybe that's my Irish bias with him and Queen. I pick all the Irish lads but no I, I think I'm just about going for James what, what do you think on, on the winner this what, what way do you think it'll, it'll go as well yeah I think like if James can get a takedown I think he will have a slight advantage on, on the on the ground especially if he can get top position he's he's extremely good from top position and he's very patient um, I think you know obviously the, we mentioned the crowd for the Queely fight uh, we're going to have to mention the crowd for the Gallagher fight obviously as well um, they've always the Irish crowd have always been very behind James and I you know uh, they're going to be again and Patchy Mix is more experienced than James uh, in terms of you know uh, pro career but again like with Patricky this is going to be the, the kind of most hostile uh, atmosphere Patchy's been in so that could play a factor as well and you know uh, James being out for a year but it's not really out for a year it's it's you know developing his skills hopefully in, a, in, a, in another gym and kind of picking up things so yeah, it's a hard one to pick. It could go either way, but I, I, I do lead towards James, uh, especially if he can get on, on top uh, in the on, in the ground game. Yeah, I, I, uh, I would agree. I think it'll be a fun one. I, t- I really do. Um, right, let's talk about a, co- a couple of the other fights. Uh, so the fight that was supposed to happen, or maybe not yeah. supposed to happen. I, <laughs> what was that all about? I you? don't know. Fabian yeah. Edwards and Charlie Ward. Charlie Ward was supposed to fight uh, Norbert Navigny, and in Fabian Edwards, so they're not giving Charlie any easy matchups. And I know Charlie's kind of giving out there. No one covers him right. We're talking about you, Charlie. You know, and, uh, look, Char- Charlie's some man to take fucking Norbert Navigny, in my opinion, the best prospect in the world. And in Fabian Edwards, who I think in your opinion, the oh, well, back yeah. was the best prospect in the world. <laughs> yeah. Charlie, Charlie, no, like obviously Charlie's gonna fight anybody, yeah, you know. Give a shit, uh, like. <laughs> yeah, and I think we kind of touched on before on a, a podcast was, you know, it looks like they might be trying to. I think you said they might be trying to get Charlie cut. Not, <laughs> not just these, Charlie, but like look, look at yeah. uh, Kiefer Crosby. They gave him Car Canyon. Look at Brian Moore. They put him out in the fucking Russia against this animal that he fought last week. And now they're doing the Charlie. All the Irish lads, they're, they're not giving them fucking easy matchups anymore, are they? No, definitely not. Uh, obviously, uh, this is, um, you know, not going to happen because Charlie, I think, has a torn bicep or tricep so, or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. So I think he had that before the the announcement of the fight. So yeah. I don't know really know what was going on there. Maybe he thought he could fight through it and Bellator got caught wind of it and called it off or something like that. But uh, it was a bit of a strange uh, announcement and cancellation within about 48 hours. Yeah, or maybe it was a thing of like he was supposed to fight Norbert. Norbert tore his ACL. And maybe Charlie thought in like, well, I'm not on the card anyway. Why, why are you even bother telling Bellator? And in Bellator, like, oh, if Charlie's fighting uh, Fabian Endor, it's like, Charlie, like, what? <laughs> I don't know if that's the case or not. But yeah, look, it's not happening anyway. And Fabian Edwards now is fighting Robert Fonseca. I was looking through his record. He's a Brazilian lad. I don't really know any of the lads he's fought. Um, 
you know, Fabian kind of said himself, I've never, I've never seen this lad before. This fight was only announced yesterday, so I haven't had a chance uh, to look into it in a big way. But look, it's good to see Fabian Edwards on the card anyway, and uh, it, might, it might be a chance for him to bounce back to winning ways after a couple of losses. But however, um, Pedro Cavallo, as I mentioned earlier, is on the, the card as well. He's fighting Daniel Weichel, two very different fighters. Um, Carvalho throws a lot of shots. Carva- uh, Weichel is just... A very tough nose guy. I was looking. He's over fifty fights, and I watched a couple of his fights. And he's all about power, and he's only five knockouts in those fifty-ish fights. I couldn't believe that. But uh, it, look, it's it's a big fight for Pedro as well after losing a few. And looking forward to seeing that. Daniel Skatizi, who fights out of SBG, is fighting Brian High, Kieran Clark, three and um, big fight for him against Jordan Barton. I was talking to Jakey about some of the English lads, and he was very high on a lot of these English guys. Um, I'll, I'll run down a few of the, the, the fights, Graham, here, and you can tell me any of the ones at the end who, who you think stand out. Danny Nealon, 4 0. You know, it was a great year for uh, women's MMA in Ireland last year. Danny, Shivan, Kavanagh, and Liam McGort all went undefeated. And, you know, that, that fight for the, the Irish Women's Fighter of the Year is, is heating up again this year. But obviously, if well, if Sinead wins next week, I'm sorry. Sorry, Danny and Leah. There's only going to be one winner of that one. But, you know, they all have uh, all have good chances here. Um, and she's fighting uh, Audrey Karouche, who is out of uh, out of France in Dara Kelly. The um, severe amateur of the year last year is making his pro debut against Junior Morgan. Steve Costello is fighting on this card out of SBG. Ilias Bouliad, uh, Ashley Reese and Picolet. Uh, Lee Chadwick is on the card. Bobby Palace, Nicholas Sicoli, Asela Ju, who had a great performance uh on, uh, on one of the, the Bellator cards as well as fighting Keir Harvey out of Scotland and then uh, Rob Beach against Gokham Sakadam. What, what stands out to you, Graham? Any of like the, the likes of Danny Neal and the likes of Dara Kelly or Kieran yeah. Clark that, that you've known throughout the years? Yeah, definitely. The Irish interest stands out to me. Um, I'm obviously a bit biased. I'm follow, we've been following these these careers, obviously, through amateur and into their pro careers. And it's always uh, interesting to me to see these uh, young Irish pros and, you know, how they're developing. And obviously, Danny Nealon, we've been talking about her in the podcast for, for years now, even throughout her amateur career. And I think even though she's fighting a more experienced fighter here, I think she she'll have her way and I think that's a pretty uh, solid bet that she's she'll win that fight uh, Kieran Clark is obviously coming in against a, an eight fight veteran he's three fights in but uh, he's had an extensive um, uh, amateur career which a, a lot of these young Irish fighters have and I expect him to win as well uh, Dara Kelly is coming in making his pro debut obviously he's a uh, Irish MMA or severe MMA uh, Irish fight, uh, amateur fighter of the year. Uh, he's coming in against a three and O guy in Junior Morgan. I don't know much about him, but uh, um, I expect Derek Kelly to come in and impress here and win as well. So uh, hopefully I'm right, and hopefully we have a very successful uh, run of Irish fighters in, in uh, the prelims. Yeah, and like if you look, at, especially at, at Kieran Clark, like <laughs> this is a guy who's had. Let me just look here: twenty three amateur fights, forty three fights, and he's last amateur fight he fought Magomed Magomedov he's beaten Tobias <laughs> beaten Tobias Ruland the amateurs you know in the in the IMAFs uh, you know he's fought some really really good guys even local senior Jack Maguire is a good uh, is a, a very very good fighter fought James Sheehan you know who's been doing really good things over in over in Cage Warriors as well uh, so he's 
extensive um, amateurs and, and three and all you know George Courtney a great guy from up the north as well he beat him beat John and Die who's you know been around for a good while nine fights eight yeah. and one and, and, and he, he, him, so. you know, he just mixed in a good few losses there as well but they're like you know they're some good learning experiences 100%. that should yeah. be done at amateur like and that sometimes you know guys are in a rush to get the, to get the pro before they're ready and I think he's done it the right way and I think he's in a he's in a good position he's in a good spot now to you know keep on going with his undefeated uh, a pro MMA career yeah 100% and look it's up and down the card is really really good I'm looking forward to seeing you know the, the new prospects like Derek Kelly and, and Steve Costello as well so uh, yeah it's a, it's a fantastic and there's some you know there's some British interest obviously as well and some uh, you know patchy mix over from America and uh, there's a bit of, there's a bit for everyone here so I'm looking uh, looking forward to seeing this card and obviously we'll have extensive coverage throughout the week uh, and uh, next week as well on the Severe podcast and then we're leading up to, to Sinead Cavanaugh the week after so what a time for Irish MMA and Ian Gary as well um, obviously myself and oh yeah myself and Ian will have a full UFC 268 podcast coming out Tuesday morning no Q&A this week because I'll be away but a full I, I, we've already recorded it's an hour long podcast it's funny we recorded uh, podcast 236 or 336 before 335 it's all getting a bit weird but however um, so everyone look forward to that don't break the fourth wall Sean for sake sorry about that sorry come here so well before we go away uh, I did a quick podcast on this on over on Patreon but I think it, we, we must mention on this so the PFL um, finals went down um, on Wednesday night and it was look it was a fucking long night of fights six title fights I was up I don't know if you watched all these grammar or not but I was up all fucking night watching them um, and the, I suppose the standouts from it Kayla Harrison got the Amber 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 win over Taylor Gordado made it look easy she did a bit of striking got hit once maybe and it was like fuck this I'm taking it down and won there uh, Ray Cooper as I mentioned alluded to earlier on got a beautiful knockout over Magomed Magomed Karimov uh, Magomed Magomed Karimov needed another Magomed maybe if he was called Magomed 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 Karimov he would have won it but I, I, I think uh, I, I think uh, it was a good performance from Ray Cooper and you know it's kind of sparked a debate just in, quite not quite enough Magomeds not enough of Magomeds like maybe if he went for Magomed 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 Magomed, Megamed, Megamed, Karamov. Like, that would have been enough, but I don't know. Uh, can you ever have enough Megamids? I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, Ray Cooper kind of sparked this debate, and, and Kel Harrison as well. Like, should these people move on to the UFC? Because if they do, they're probably not fucking getting a million dollars in 10 fights, never mind fucking, you know, three or four, a million, and never mind the opportunity to do it. Uh, once a year, and I, I think. Well, what's what's the pay for just a, a fight? I saw a someone. Fight. I saw someone saying twenty five and twenty five, which is not bad. Yeah, well, that's not yeah, that bad. That's not bad uh, with the potential of winning the million. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's not bad at all. Yeah, and no, I'm not a hundred percent sure if that is correct. But if that is correct, you're probably only getting that in the UFC anyway. So you might as fucking well. Like I was saying, someone like say someone like a an Ian Kutilaba or even a Dominic Reyes, like shoe first one here. Uh, the the light heavyweight. If I yeah, was, yeah. if I was a UFC light heavyweight from fucking fifteen to to probably four or five, I'd be like, well, I'm finding out my contract and I'm going to PFL because like four fights, you're probably going to get quick knockouts in a lot of them if you're a very good light heavyweight. You know, it's and even other weight classes as well. I think you know, if I was a big heavyweight, if I was Derek Lewis, I'd be over in PFL in no time, knocking out lads, winning a million. It, it's it's not easy money. It's tough. You have to be a very good fighter. But if you are a very good fighter, then you have a very good chance of winning the million. And all, you know, there might be the argument that, you know, if you're headlining cards, maybe you'll get a million in four fights anyway in the UFC. But you know what? What if you lose one of them and you're back and you're a, 
uh, you know, you're back to 80 and 80, maybe. That's not the best. But then yeah, there's, it's not all about money, though. It is no, about you yeah, know the prestige of the UFC and yeah. all about all that as well. But a lot of these guys, you know, don't have huge career earnings. So, uh, you know, you got to kind of take care of your future. It is prize fighting at the end of the day. So I completely understand when, when you know, when fighters do make that decision. Yeah, but you ha- for, say for someone like Ray Cooper, there's no way I'd advise you. I'd, look, I'd love to see Ray Cooper fighting, you know, Gilbert Burns or or, uh, or Leon Edwards. I think they'd all be good fights. I really rate Ray Cooper. You'd just be another guy, though, on you a would, yeah. undercard. That's, that's the problem. But for, like, someone like Kayla Harrison, who says she is the best in the world, and you know what? She might be the, she might be the person to beat Amanda Nunes. Who knows? She can't prove that she is the best in the world in PFL she just can't you know unless Manda Nunes jumps ships and decides well I'm going for the million but she's probably getting a lot more than that in the UFC so it's probably yeah. not wise but she her, can make so. a lot of money before she goes and yeah. tries to prove she's uh, the best in the world she's 12 and 0 now at this stage like if she gets the next year what will she be for, what 16 and 0 uh, is that too much are you are you ranging on the boxing kind of side of it then I don't know maybe but I, I would like to see her go to the UFC now I would like to see, look the solution to all of this is that the UFC pay her a million quid to fight Amanda Nunes. We're all good, you know? We're all good. <laughs> it solves all the problems. But Dana White basically goes, don't bother, don't bother coming over here. It's like, oh, it's very weird. But anyway, um, Clarissa Shields, as predicted by your boy Sean Sheehan, lost to Abby Montez. Uh, you know, she actually looked good, I thought. She looked improved. Uh, she could take down the fence, but then she got taken down in the end. And Montez won the the next lasso. R.I.P. Boxing. Boxing is 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 absolutely dead. The uh, 145 pound title then. Uh, Kabulov beat Wade in a, one of the most boring fights of all time. As I mentioned earlier, Antonio Carlos Jr. beat Martin Hamlet. Good performance here, Rear Nekachok. The heavyweights as well. Bruno Capelos. I'm a big fan of his. He's a fun fighter. He almost got knocked out like three times in the second round here. He beat Anti De- uh, Delia. And it turns out afterwards, you know, his father died last week and they never told him, Capilosa, and they only told him after the fight. And then he won a million quid, got the belt, and then they told him his father died. Fucking hell, that's... Fuck, that's crazy. I can only imagine the fucking emotions that man was going through last week. So, uh, obviously, thoughts and prayers with him, but also, you know, congratulations at the same time. Win the million. Same as uh, for all of these people. Congratulations. Hausch Mafeo, what a performance. That, to me, most important, impressive performance. He beat like Ramzabov. And in the, the three uh, openers, Jordan Young, brilliant performance. Knocked out of Maria Akhmedov, Julia Budd. Not the greatest performance in the world. I was impressed with Caitlin Young, but she did get the win. And in Don Madge, the magic man, the legend, out of South Africa, beat Nathan Williams uh, to uh, a very rare neck of chalk there. So, all in all, a, a brilliant night of fights. Too long. Too many fights. Too many title fights on it. I would love to see a PFL Championship weekend. Whether PFL will be back or not next year. They have no TV deal at the moment, I don't think. Remains to be seen. They're, they're, I don't know where they're getting this fucking money. But uh, they've they lots of investors and all. I'm fucking, I, we need a couple of them investors for this to be on that podcast, Graham. But anyway, um, sure, we will... Uh, we believe it at that. I don't know. We probably there's probably loads of stuff we haven't covered that we've forgotten or whatever. But oh yeah, um, just to mention as well. Actually, as we're recording this, John Mitchell is fighting. Um, I, I, so we will we will report that when it comes through. Oh, Ian is just typing here, so, so let's see if he gives us the result. Uh, Omran Kazan, who fought fight out fights out of Team KF, got a fantastic win over in UAE Warriors yesterday. Uh, beautiful, beautiful knockout after a very, very good performance from him. So uh, Team KF, Jim, you know, have gone really, really well. Obviously, they did a setback losing uh, Ian Gary last year. Uh, I'm just killing time here because Ian is typing, and I hopefully I get the result. But um, well, well, if you want to kill time, you can give the people 
people what they what they've been waiting for. Yeah. Uh, your one minute take on um, Man United zero, Liverpool five. Uh, I actually, as I said last week, I actually couldn't watch the game. I was at the Scare Factory in Limerick. It was it was the Scare no, Factory. No, very you, scary. You up till to four nil. You managed very, to very uh, see the. You know, I went bowling afterwards. With a great time. Don't lie, don't lie to the people, you know? John. Don't lie to the Happy people. Happy birthday, people trust, people trust you to tell no, the truth, John. No, no, it's like a, tr- what truth? There's 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 truth of you know how we see it, and then there is the actual truth. So who who knows? Your, your truth. Who my truth? I, I you know I, Graham. That's a very introspective question to ask someone at uh, at five o'clock on a Friday or whatever today today is. You know. You know, not a great look. Not a great performance for me. You know, <laughs> the most worrying part was, oh, okay, here we go for me. And Mitchell wins by a comfortable decision. He showed a good jab on the feed, which opened up the nose of Niltis. Got hit with a few overhand rights, but was never in trouble. Dominated the grappling exchanges. Got taken down a few times, but immediately reversed position and landed good ground upon. Very composed performance and John. So young in his career, easy win. Three rounds in the books. No, there you go. Up Cork. You know, they didn't win the All Ireland, but at least John Mitchell. Is- at least John Mitchell's with it. You know, John Mitchell wins that. Limerick beat him in the All-Ireland. Um, last year, we beat, Wal- um, we beat Waterford in the All-Ireland. Maybe Peter Queeley. Maybe it's a good sign for him. Maybe they'll do it this year. But anyway, we leave it at that. Um, Graham. So you're, 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 refusing to, you're refusing to give the people what they want. What do, what do the people want? What do the people want? Well, they, what want about, you, they want your honest opinion well, on well, as, a Man, uh, as a Man United fan since last year. Yeah, since uh, yeah. you, you, you re-entered I don't watch. I don't watch football anymore. It's not good. What about your boy Ken Early, though? And the week before the game, talking up Man United, and it's like, oh, this the second half performance is absolutely so, fantastic. Honest, it's, it's usually, usually over the years, over the last my lifetime of watching, even when Liverpool are in a bad spot or Man United are in a bad spot, it always they always rise to the occasion. It's like Liverpool versus Everton. Like, don't make it so difficult no matter what. Like, you have to expect that. And, this Liverpool you know, team is too good. Warning, though. like, if you try to play like that against well, Liverpool, that, yeah. you'll be 4 nil down at halftime. And, like, to everybody's surprise, you know, Liverpool rested to, or couldn't play, didn't play, or rested three of their starting players. And it, it, Man United just... Uh, just who came out with the who, worst. Who are the three starting players now? Fabinho, Mane, Fabinho, and uh, well, uh, Matip. Uh, well, I don't know about the Mane one now because he uh, Jota. He always plays Jota, and these especially well, against Man, Man the United. first one, the first game Mane hasn't started against Man United in the first uh, Premier League game. Know, he hasn't though. started in the I, I, Premier League season. I think you'd probably even argue that that he doesn't play. Man- like remember that game? He had a big argument with Mane over because Mane didn't start it. Like he doesn't start Mane in some of the big games. So, but anyway, that doesn't matter. Um, we were missing Varane yeah. and everyone else. But anyway, uh, I, think <laughs> I, I, I no. But but in terms of that, not in terms of the game, Liverpool won fair and square. You think Varane would have sorted that out? That, uh, no, I didn't, say that. I didn't say that. <laughs> but if you're talking about missing players, everyone's missing players. Liverpool love that. Well, what, do you, what do you think about my, the my fact thoughts, that... Um, do you want to get my thoughts or do you just want to fucking yeah, talk? Yeah. Like, do you want my thoughts? My thoughts are you can't come out and just go, hey-ho, it's wartime, and you go out and run at Liverpool and try to close them down and expect to win. They're Liverpool are too good to do that against. And the problem is, like, everyone blaming Mason Greenwood because he was closing down up front. Well, he was told to fucking close down up front. I feel so sorry for Luke Shaw because, obviously, he was on Mo Salah's side. Mo Salah got a hat-trick, and I wouldn't say Luke Shaw was at fault for any of them. It's just the other three fucking idiots running out of position. Like, well, Harry well, Maguire the second is so one, bad. The second one when oh, him that, and Maguire that was Harry. Leaving. 
bang it to each other. They both left the it to each other, though. You, you gotta, even if you have to put your foot through the slab head, you gotta, you gotta oh, kick that ball. Harry, that's it. That's one of the biggest problems for many like Harry Maguire. He's so bad. Like he needs fucking selling. And like as I a told captain, you, I told little, you, Sean. Yeah, I told you, you, you all wrong. wrong this guy is a subpar player. Like. Uh, but what do you think about the fact that Mo Salah scored more uh, Salah. Premier League goals at Old Trafford this season than Ronaldo? Mo Salah. Oh, God, God, he got a hat trick. Ronaldo's been like three games. Has he not? Like... <laughs> yeah, he has. He's beaten him 3 2. Ah, yeah, well. <laughs> We're like five games into the season. And if, if Ronaldo doesn't score against City uh, at home, then this uh, record will go on in, into December. <laughs> So, All right, fair enough. Congratulations. Well, I, I take I take a Ronaldo hat trick against uh, City, though. To be honest, yeah. save Oli. Hashtag uh, save Oli. <laughs> Come on, Spurs! All Man United fans fall on fucking Spurs anyway. But sure, it'll be over. But actually, they'll be done by the time this. Hopefully, all will be gone by the time. But anyway, we better leave it at that. Uh, thank you, Graham. No need for. Uh, I I want an apology <laughs> for that abuse. I want uh, an apology. Yeah, you, you need to start live streaming yourself during uh, Man United games. We so were. We were, my, myself and the lads were doing it, and then they fucking pussy oh, out of it. Yeah. So tweet, uh, well, just tweet just you on webcam. You can be one of those. Uh, one of those r- ranting, raving uh, <laughs> fans on YouTube. Anyway, right, we leave it there. Uh, sign up, patreon.com forward slash Severe My Podcast. It's going to be an absolutely huge week. Uh, I'm up in Dublin for a week, so it's going to cost me a lot of money. So uh, help us out. Uh, I'm full time now as well, so I don't have that much money. So, you know, patreon.com forward slash Severe My Podcast or severemed.com forward slash points. Price of a pint a month. Sign up. Go on. Fuck it. Do it. Right. So follow me at Shanchi and BA. Graham at Severe May at Severe May Pod as well. Send in your questions for next week's podcast. And if you have questions from this week, keep them till next week and we will do the, the QA then. Um so yeah, Graham, quote of the week. Tind us. Tell us. Go on. Go for it. Um oh <laughs> give me a second, sorry. <laughs> I'm leaving. This is recording. You're you have to <laughs> I'm not pausing this. You're you I put you on the spot now. Go on. Do you not do you not have like a, a litany of Morrissey quotes like on your head, no? Well I can't just give I, I can't just give an incorrect one or like a, a subpar one. I have to <laughs> I have to pull something out. You need to print off a list to like keep it alongside your desk and have it every week. Okay, it? okay, okay, okay. This is a short one. The Queen is dead, boys, and it's so lonely on a limb. <laughs> We'll see you next. Actually, we'll see. You, we'll actually see you next Tuesday because the next podcast comes out on Tuesday. Good luck. See you then.